0: Welcome to the Third Coast Podcast. I'm Katie Mingle. You'll hear our weekly radio show, V-Sound, here, as well as the occasional story curated recently from our audio library at thirdcoastfestival.org. The Third Coast Festival is a nonprofit organization whose livelihood depends in part on support from listeners like you. To find out how you can help or to check out all of the cool stuff we do apart from our radio show, visit our website thirdcoastfestival.org thanks and enjoy the podcast
1: from the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago, I'm Gwen Maxey, and this is Resound.
2: Butterflies like beetles go through a complete four-stage metamorphosis as they develop from egg to adult.
1: March 24th, and this
2: is my voice 20 days on testosterone. My voice 22 days on testosterone. Today is April 1st, and today is, is my April voice
1: 28th. Resound is a remix of music, documentaries, found sound, sound bites, and little sonic Surprises we find all over the world. We hoover them in from the air, the internet, and any other dusty corner we can find, then bring you the best of what we hear each week on Resound.
3: The caterpillars develop inside the eggs for about a week. Then they begin chewing their way out. It's like a kid who was
4: born in a one room basement. He never left that room all his life. When he was 23 years old, someone took him, put him in Grand Central Station. I walked away.
1: Every so often, while driving on the highway, maybe late at night, maybe in the rain, I'll pass a remote small town and think, could I live here? Could I just turn off the road, leave everything behind, and start all over again from scratch? Sure, it's not likely to happen, but still, doesn't the notion of transforming your life completely have a certain appeal? Maybe it's a control thing and we just have to believe that we can do anything we want at any time, that we're not trapped in our own lives. For me, it's just an exciting daydream. But for some people, complete transformations, metamorphoses, are more than that. Their desires, needs, or even necessities. Today on ReSound, two people shed old skins and resurface in foreign territory. Stay tuned.
4: Now it emerges. Wearing a brand new skin. I've never been on a date before. This is my first real date.
1: Loser Tversky was raised as a Hasidic Jew in Brooklyn. At the age of 23, he decided to leave his wife, his family, and everything he'd ever known to move into secular society. His upbringing had been strict. No school, no movies, no dates, no jobs. Ostracized from his community, he left alone, and he entered a world he knew very little about. Producer Josh Gleason followed Loser for the first year of his independence and brings us this portrait of a young man finding a new way.
4: My first name is Loser. Yes, it's Loser. It's not who I am, it's just my name. And it's spelled differently too. It's spelled L U Z E R, not L O S E R. It's actually a name from the Bible. This is me singing at a wedding, at a Hasidic wedding. Uh, I used to be a singer at weddings. I miss it very much, I wish I could keep doing it. But uh, you can't not be religious and uh, sing at Hasidic weddings. You know, it doesn't go together. I always questioned the religion And I always wanted to be able to to watch movies I always wanted to be able to fall in love with someone And have sex with her even though I'm not married I wanted to have it and be religious (laughs) I didn't know of any other life That was the only life I knew But uh, now I decided I don't want that life I have no future in that life. Maybe there is something out there I want to do, which I can't do if I'm an Orthodox Jew. In the Hasidic community, you can't really explore yourself. And that is something I'm not willing to give up on. This is where I live. This is like a student housing. I have my own bedroom, shower room and a bathroom in the middle of every floor, which all the people who live on the floor share. I got here a little desk and my computer, my laptop. Now, this is the other bed in the room, which is usually made for a roommate, but since I got no roommate, this is the place I dump everything. This is all my dirty shirts right there. I don't have a laundry bag, so I use a garbage bag, a regular garbage bag. Most of the time, I do dress like a very strong Hasidic Jew, because that's the only clothes I have. I wear the side curls and, like, a beard and... Because a Hasidic person is is who I am. It's my identity. I just can't get used to be looking differently and to be acting differently. Even though I hate the way I look and the way I talk and the way I act. You know, when someone asks me, how are you? I still say, thank God. I'm not even sure there is a God. (laughs) Well, thank God. You know, it's like, here's the thing. Even though the Lutowski that has lived for the past 23 years is a Hasidic guy, that's not who I am I don't feel that's me so even though what I'm doing now is the real me it's just not what I'm used to
5: to
4: okay now let's start looking for work
1: So
4: so what I do is I search first like kosher The job in the kosher industry Oh, some new stuff here Two months ago I started looking for work And someone asked me Do you have a resume? This is exactly what I did Just what I did now quiet. I didn't know what to say. Number one, I didn't know what a resume it was. <laughs> and number two, I knew whatever it is, I don't have one. <laughs> in the chesedisha world, there is no such thing as a resume. Everything is handed over to you. So for me t- to move to Manhattan and start looking for a job and I got to write in my resume which high school I went to. I never went to high school. What should I write? That I have a degree in narrow-mindedness? I mean, I have a degree in Torah? It doesn't say in the Torah how to use Excel. Alright, let's go to uh, gigs. I go here and I look for Jewish. There you go. Call for singers, actors, native Hebrew speakers. I'm seriously pursuing acting because I think I can act. I've, I've been acting for 23 years of my life. I was pretending to be someone I'm not. But I also have something that most people don't have when they started acting. I do have a look, for which there's a pretty high demand out there. A new opera is seeking performance for an in-progress presentation. There's pay in this? No pay. I feel overwhelmed by the choices I have in life now, because I had very little choices before. It's like a kid who was born in a one-room basement. He never left that room all his life. And when he was 23 years old, someone took him, put him in Grand Central Station, and walked away. Everybody seems to have a destination. At least it seems like they know where they're going. And he has no idea. He sees people taking the train, people taking the subway, and he doesn't know the difference between a train and a subway. You know, people go to college, people are working, and people are watching movies, people are going out to dinners, having dates, and you have no idea where to start. Sometimes I feel when I'm in the subway that I want to stop every single person and have a conversation with them. I want to go over to them. Hey, I say, hi, I'm Loser. Who are you? Oh, Joe, what do you do? I work on Wall Street. What is it like? When? Did, where did you go to college? Where did you grow up? I want to know all oh, walks of life because I might like one of them. <laughs> I mostly hang out with people who are Hasidic, which is another thing which keeps me from fully getting into the other life because like that keeps me connected kind of it's a good thing because you need a support group you need friends and everything me you never know do you really know God you know you don't know God maybe he's gay he's a little bit of everything
0: What's
4: that? It's, you know, he's a little bit of a she too. She's a little bit of a he. <laughs> I spoke last time to my parents, like the day after I got divorced. That day, they found out why I got divorced, which is because I wasn't observant anymore. When they found out that this was the reason, they couldn't talk to me anymore. They don't care if I, if, I, if I starve. They don't care if I'm homeless. They said it openly. Not to me. It came back to me. They tell my brothers not to talk to me, to excommunicate me. I can corrupt their minds. To them, it's like someone who is throwing away eternity over materialistic things that only exist in this world, but he isn't worth it. He's not worth nothing. To them, I'm worthless. I put an ex on Craigslist. I put a posted ex Jew looking for love. I'm not going to say exactly what it says there. It's a little embarrassing. So uh, I got this response from this girl I'm texting now. We're texting like till 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And she asked me if I have any plans today. Anyway, we decided we we're going to meet at Starbucks for a coffee. So I just got a text message. Right, let's see what she writes. I'm around looking for parking. Yay. Can't wait. I've never been on a date before. This is my first real date. I've been married, but I've never been on a regular just a date, just two people meet each other, see if they like each other. This is my first date. I'm going to be on a date. I don't know what. I think this shirt got some kind of a smell. I don't know, just this is a brand uh, fresh shirt, just took it off the cleanest. Maybe the cleanest put some smell on it. It's a good exercise for me to practice being around girls. I used to shiver when I had to approach a girl or or shake a girl's hand. I was like, I was shivering. Because we grow up separated, men and women. We go to separate schools. I didn't know any girls besides my sisters. And you're not supposed to touch any other woman besides your wife you don't really talk in a friendly way to other women besides your wife or your immediate family. I had this thing that if I touch a woman, God is going to strike me dead. I got a text message. Oh wait, We got a response. Got a response. We got a response. Sweet. She says, sweet. She likes me. All right. I'm going on a date. All right. Now I'm nervous. I have an uncle who uh, left about the same age as me, actually. You know, he was considered like the dropout of the family. We never talked about him even. It was like, why would you want to talk about a guy like that? He lived in Israel. And then he came, well, he came to America and he, came, he, he was staying by us. I, I have no explanation why they let him into my house and why they let him stay there. They probably were trying to make him come back, you know. And I kind of liked him. <laughs> I thought he was a nice guy. I'm going to share something very awkward. It's going to show you how early I started questioning and how I didn't like. I was probably 10 years old or 11 years old. I was really young. I went into his room when he was gone. I remember looking at these deodorants and creams and like, you know, all these stuff I've never seen, and, and there were his jeans on the floor next to the closet. Jeans is like the clothing of the secular world. So yeah, so I like closed the door behind me. And I put on his jeans. <laughs> put on his jeans in his room. <laughs> Never forget it. And I looked, I looked down on myself. I still sometimes look down on myself. You know, that I'm this cheap person. I have these kind of thoughts. I have these kind of feelings. I have this kind of... I have a dirty mind. I think you can compare it in a way to uh, people discovering that they're gay. And, you know, and having to deal with the guilt and with the shame. Question number one, which one of the following sentences includes a possessive pronoun? A, she stood up for people. Today so I'm ideas. taking a test B, she is for high school. A mighty I get a booklet a in the mail, a and a every booklet at the end it has an exam. Number two, the and a sentence has a you can submit subject. the exam online. Another name for the predicate in a sentence is, a I want to just a. expand my, my knowledge, you know, subject, for a. the purpose of a. blending into subject, the world. C, object, D, verb. This is a question which I'm not sure about the answer. I'm not sure whether it's a noun or a verb. So what do we do? Let's try this. A or D. I'm going to put two pieces of paper. And one piece of paper is A. I write A. Other piece of paper I write D. And then I mix them up. I'm not looking. i And I pick out one, whichever comes out. All right, here you go. A. So I'm going to take A. When I was Hasidic, I had a lot of these experiences, you know, looking at non-Jewish people as secular people. Man, they're having such a good life. They can do anything they want. And now, I know that they can't do anything they want. This is a painful realization. There is something I am dealing with right now. See, one of the things is when I was Hasidic, I never put any effort in my body. You know, I had no reason to take a shower. Why should I take a shower? You know, I'd, I never thought I, you know, I have to. Maybe I'll meet a girl, I have to go on a date, and I am going to stink. You know, that would never, that never would have happened. You know, and then there is the opening door things, saying thank you. You know, people don't. Say that. You know, we all know each other. We are all like family. You know, there is, there is politically correct which doesn't exist in the chesedish world. There is no political correctness. You just say whatever you got in your stomach. You just spit it out. And that's basically a freedom that communities have, that brothers have, you know, family has. You know, when you're with your family, you just throw everything out there. You're not trying to to come forward at something you're not. In other words, the secular culture has a lot of rituals too. (laughs) A lot of rituals in it, if you think about it. on the fourth floor I don't remember yeah I am uh, at Stephanie's place I'm going up now I'm going to meet with Stephanie we're going to hang out a little bit have something to eat and uh, probably watch a movie Stephanie is my friend I don't think we're boyfriend girlfriend yet it's just we're very close um, she's a great woman she's very smart and very beautiful she doesn't like when I wear polos, so I don't know if she's gonna like if I wear a t shirt and sweatpants. How's it going? Good. Um, How do I look with sweatpants and a t shirt?
0: Sloppy. Sloppy? <laughs> I mean, it's, but a-
4: it's better than a polo, right? Yes. Right.
0: Much better than a polo. Gotta get
4: more t shirts. We met through the internet. And, uh, you know, we went out for, we went out a couple of times, you know, and uh, it evolved, you know, it became stronger and stronger, the bond. And this is the way it's now, it's pretty strong. A little stronger than I wanted it to be.
0: Watch how I do this. Maybe I won't. But you will.
4: How do you know?
0: Because you're going to help me or you don't get to eat at me. Okay.
4: So Sounds you're, like
0: gonna, you're gonna cut down the bottom. the The bottom is like the root part. We don't want to eat. Right. That. So and then
4: she mentioned in her yeah, f- probably your first or second email that she was a radical yeah, feminist. Um, and I didn't even know exactly what a radical is. I thought radical and terrorist is the same thing. But she seemed like someone who hates men, who thinks men are rapists, men are bad people, and I couldn't. I, I didn't like that. I mean, I'm not like that. I, I'm not a rapist.
0: Because I, I well, think
4: being, tra- being treated, man, man, yeah, being treated makes...
0: as a man, I, I do think that that is what makes you like. Because what you're saying is basically. That's like,
4: the so one thing that bothers me about Stephanie. She's like, way, way over involved. Like it's know. a religion. I can't live with religion.
0: You know, when people see him, they don't treat him the same as they treat me. I'm a man. Male and I female. Can I finish, please yeah, let all right, me finish all right. my thought? All right, I'm
4: done with this. <laughs> I'm
0: done. That was
4: what? I don't know. I don't understand what you're saying. So it's like it's okay. f- The whole the whole thing the whole thing is foreign to me. I really I mean I mean you, you've been you've been busy with this subject for I don't know how many years and like I'm so new to the subject and you and you're trying to to like punch it into my head.
0: Why are you getting so mad at me? I don't me? know, I'm
4: getting I'm I'm just whatever. I'm worked up. Forget it. My contract for the apartment is running out in like three weeks. I mean, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna have where to live in a couple of weeks from now. And you know, I'm running out of cash. Seems like I have been pretty good for a few months, and you know, I'm hitting a dead end because I don't have where to live. I don't know what I'm gonna do. This past life is haunting me. This past, the past. You know, thinking God will punish you and how wrong you are. Maybe, maybe life is so difficult for you because you know you're you're not observant and you're not doing God's will. I mean, I got a family in there. Sometimes that fucks me up a lot. Thinking about my family It keeps awakening these feelings. You know, sometimes nostalgic feelings. You know, there's family life and there's the get-togethers and there's the, you know the warmth. The only problem is all this warmth and this family values. All these Things are just based on bullshit. you know, I wish it wasn't, but it is you know, and I wish I could just let that all go, forget about it, but I it just doesn't work that way see this all these kind of stuff they go they, they they go into the box just in the junk box, like you know, like soap my uh lens solution, just packing my stuff, and uh I'm moving out and I'm, uh, I don't know where I'm going yet. I'm gonna crash at some friends' places for a while. That's about it. That's what I'm gonna do. Okay, this goes in here. I made one box for books and one box for clothes, and I'm ready to go. You know, the Hasidic people don't live with roommates, and there's no single life. There's no such thing as living single. You're either living with your parents or you're married. You don't live single. There's no such thing. It's uh, You're never on your own. I am really all by myself. I mean, who really cares for me? Wh- where's the person who will say, you know, you're always welcome at my house to sleep, to eat. You know, I'm always going to be here for you. I think this is my biggest challenge. I mean, the the the, the, the belief challenge and looks and adjusting to the secular world these are nothing against this challenge of me becoming independent this is four stories up and it's like used to be a, a whatever like a factory probably or something like that this is the place where i stay so they got, it's got like two parts, the the loft. There's like a wall in the middle. On one side he built like beds, like bunk beds. And on the other side there's like a big empty room. And I have a tent here. The guy who lives here, he told me I could come and stay here for a couple of months. Maybe six months, you know, seven months, eight months. Until I get myself together and uh, find a way to support myself and be able to pay rent. So this is my tent. I got a sleeping bag. He gave me like a little rug, like a very thick rug to put under the tent so it's a little more cushioned. I sit in there, I use my computer, I watch movies in there, I mean, I, I, use, I use my tent a lot. That's where I live. It's very, it's very kind of cozy, you know, it's like very, it's really, I like it. I pulled the plug on my life, on everything I knew. It's kind of the end of a chapter. A chapter from which I have a lot of good memories I have more bad memories, but a lot of good memories. And this new chapter has a lot of sad memories in it. But everything I've been through since I left, all these misery I'm going through now, all these hardships, they seem kind of purposeful. It's like I'm going through all this you know, to get somewhere. It's suffering I chose. It's something that I want choice makes all the difference that's it
1: that's me in the corner that's me in the spot. my religion breaking away by josh gleason the piece originally aired on vox tablet the podcast of tablet magazine Josh's story leaves Loser in a rather uncertain place, and we were dying to know more. So we called Josh for an update on how things are going in Loser's new secular life.
5: He has a place, he has an apartment now, he has a full-time job. There's a um, an electronics sort of audio-video store in New York called B&H that is famously staffed by Hasidic people. One of the few people who emerged actually after I finished reporting the story and offered to to sort of give him a hand, despite the fact that he was no longer religious, uh, got him the job there. So so he's doing much better, um, and, you know, I, I, he still struggles with, I think, a lot of the issues that he talks about in the
1: piece, but, you know, it's obviously become less intense So going back a little bit, do you know what the tipping point was? What made him go from his very strict orthodox life to a brand new secular life?
5: You know, it was a slow process. Um, He started sort of sneaking around and going to movies or he he bought like a DVD player and he used to go and like park his car like. Drive, drive outside of the community and like park his car on the side of the road and watch DVDs. It's sort of when he describes it, it's, it's like, you know, it's this like very illicit sounding activity, which it was. And he was happy at the time to live this kind of double life. And I met a number of people, uh, while reporting this story who do that. Uh, and I think Loser would have been fine with that, maybe. It was ultimately his wife who said, <laughs> you're in or you're out, you know, um, this is not okay with me anymore. For a while she indulged it. But, um, so at that point he had to make a choice and he chose to leave.
1: I'm just curious. Um, it's funny that he says he wants to be an actor and what one thing he has going for him is his look. Yeah. But uh, does he plan on physically leaving that community and blending in more, or do you think that he'll continue to dress the way he used to dress and and groom yeah. the way he used to groom, so that he kind of remains in between worlds in a way? He has no plans to change. He is he is a very interesting
5: sight these days, I have to say, because he wears like blue jeans and t-shirts and hoodies, and, but he still has a beard and pay us. It's interesting. I was telling somebody about this. The other day, these, these guys are sort of, Loser certainly falls within this, they, on the one hand, they really, they desperately want to blend in. They want to be, you know, just regular American guys. They really want to blend in. But at the same time, who they are and what makes them unique, and frankly, what's really interesting to people that they meet is the fact that they were raised Hasidic.
1: Has he ever thought about stand-up?
5: Yes because he would I, love to do stand up.
1: I just I just feel like he's born to be on the stand up stage.
5: He would love to do stand up. He actually uh, on his Facebook, he his Facebook status posts are basically jokes. I mean, he's always sort of that's what he's
1: working out on there he's oh my god he's got a whole world that he can demystify for people yeah i mean i'm sure the hasidic community would be completely up in arms and i'm sure he'd catch a ton of flack
5: but oh yeah you know like a rebellious teenager he he kind of revels in that he wouldn't mind that at all
1: oh well he'd he'd get a lot of it i'm sure i mean yes (laughs) uh, let's just look at the response your story got yeah. I mean it was you you he you he got feedback uh that was both super supportive and super complimentary and you got some really vitriolic um yeah. responses that said things like I don't believe a word he's saying yeah. I know for a fact that his family supports him and what a shame he is a, like a scourge um so what did you what did you and he make of all that?
5: Um it, it was not surprising. Uh people in the ultra orthodox community obviously got wind of it. You know, they find this so deeply offensive. He once said to me, he was sort of like, Imagine if you, you know, literally murdered your siblings or something and murdered your, you know, people in your family. Like that's how they they you know, I, I'm sure that's an exaggeration to extent, but, but it's so heinous what he has done um, to people that, oh, yes, they think he's horrible. I mean, they, they, they think the worst of him. They just think he—if you do that, it means you're a terrible person to a lot of people in that community. But he said an interesting thing. I actually don't think he said this in the comment that he posted on the tablet site, but he wrote this on his blog. He said, um, some of these comments make me remember why I left. And and they make me feel good about my choice.
1: Josh Gleason, producer of Breaking Away. Josh had a lot more to say about Loser and working with him on this story. To hear the full-length interview and to find a link to Loser's blog, visit thirdcoastfestival.org. When radio producer Sarah Reynolds was in college, she was privy to an intimate confession. Her friend Megan told her that she was about to undergo a transition in gender from female to male. Sarah's storyteller instincts kicked in, and she approached Megan about documenting this transformation. Megan agreed. Here's Becoming Miles. It's
2: interesting that so much can be attached to your name. I've kind of already divorced myself a little bit from Megan. It feels separate from who I am now. And I, I really haven't latched on to Miles yet. Some days I feel more Miles than Megan. It's, just, it, it just, it's kind of weird. It, it has, I have no problem saying Megan Taylor. Megan Taylor. No, I need to say Miles Taylor. But I need to say it in, a, in, a, in an ownership sort of way. Hello. It's um nine ten on uh, February second. I am still at work. The only people who are here, like, are the people who are are cleaning. I'm not actually working, but I am working on the letter to my parents. <sighs> I need to talk to you two about something. Months ago, I started writing you a long letter, but having edited and revised and picked and poked at it for so many months, it started to feel more like a paper for school. I have a gender identity disorder. I've had it my entire life without really being able to put a name to it, and it has become severe to debilitating the past couple of years. My body may appear and function as female, but in my head I have never felt a connection to my body sex of my body is female, but the gender I feel in my head is male. To break that down another level... In the beginning, I definitely felt more you. Megan than Miles. Then there was a, an awkward period in the middle, which I'm still kind of wading through right now, which is where you kind of lose your identity, and you, you don't know who you are. Uh, now I'm now going to get the hell out of here. I'm just going to shut down shop. I think I'm done for the day. Intro, take 1. My name is Megan Taylor. I am 28 years old. I am a financial analyst/accountant. Um, I've loved math my entire life and I think it's because it makes sense and it's universally understood. There's there's an answer. There's always an answer. And, you know, it's not subjective. It is a very clear answer. If I only had 30 seconds to describe what transition means, this part right here doesn't count because I can't even think about trying to describe it in 30 seconds. Because it's different for everyone, and that's what I'm going to say. So transition to me means finding a place... Damn, starting over. Transition to me means... Pretty much finding a place of self-acceptance and self-love. That's, that's really my ultimate goal. It's not to be hairy, although I would like to say I'd like to have a penis. But the whole thing is trying to find who you are. I don't like being a female in this world. And I, even, even on a desert island alone, I wouldn't want to be a female. I'd still want to be a male. I want to have a male body. Even when I started therapy, I went in, and I hadn't even thought about the social aspect of being a man. It just, it didn't, it wasn't the factor for me. It's always been physical. I've hated my body so much that to me it was just anything I could do to get rid of this body. Um, I am currently getting ready to go. I'm getting ready to go out to dinner with Sharon and Noreen, and they are coming by to pick me up at night. Right now I'm putting my binder on, which is kind of a a cheap binder. I haven't made the investment to get a nice one. It's uh, basically like a neoprene I think that's too tight. Um, like a weightlifting belt. I wrap it around and it keeps everything secure and flattened.
3: And, I
2: um, put a white undershirt on and And then a button-down and you really it Kinda just looks like I have some pretty serious peck action going on as a guy. Restaurants are always interesting because... I think I always get read as as male, and then... Once I get read as male, then... I I like it, but then I also don't want to open my voice because... Or open my mouth and speak. it's, you know, it's, it's a giveaway. I'm trying to learn how to lower my voice without straining it, but I, I just don't think that that's really possible. Right, I think I'm ready to go. I definitely think I'm coming out um, a second time. I do, th- I do, th- I mean, I even, I even had that in my letter to my parents, that you know, I've I come out to you before no as a lesbian, so and I'm right now. coming, out to, right now coming out to you again right now as transgender. transgender. The term, much less the concept of being transgender, was unavailable to me growing up, not by any fault of your own, it's simply the world in which we lived. I understand that this decision affects everyone in my life, and knowing me as well as you do, I would hope that you would understand that I would never put anyone through this if it weren't absolutely necessary. I've always known I was different, but I know now that it was only covering up what I feel I've known all along, what I've known since I was six years old when I began putting a sock into my pants when I was alone, or when I used to pretend to shave my face with toothpaste and a toothbrush. What I'm trying to explain here is that there has always been a disconnection with my gender and my physical body, and I have tried endlessly to figure out what was wrong, why I simply didn't feel right in my skin. For the first time in my life, though, I am starting to feel a connection to who I am. I am, I'm going to say 5'9". I'm between 5'8 and 5'9", but I like to say 5'9". And my hair is... Short. The sides are like an inch long. My cheeks are. I'm also like really paranoid about this. Not hollowed out, but they. I know that are I'm going to gain weight there from testosterone. It's just going to kind of redistribute and my face will fill out. My eyebrows are the bane of my existence. They, they don't grow. <laughs> uh, and I think that that'll make. That'll minimize my cheekbones. I mean, and also I used to pluck my eyebrows and so make my jaw a little stronger. But I still think that that's probably the most feminine part of my face, or at least it, I feel like that my my eyes are... I mean, I think that my jaw's already pretty strong, but... And my cheekbones, I my cheekbones know, kind of what gives away my, my <laughs> feminine quality. So when I'm looking straight on, I also have a very expressive face, or I can scowl a little. It's just, it's, I don't know, I try to get, if I could ever get the the corners of my eyes to go down. I'm actually, like, hoping that my eyes will sag a little, which, I mean, who hopes for that? When I look in the mirror, I know I am seeing me, but I have become so detached from the reflection that it is nearly as though I am seeing the body of someone else, some other female-bodied person. Okay, um, I... I'm probably about 2 days shy of starting my period. So, I I don't know I don't know what it is, but when leading up to it, it it almost seems like my face feminizes or actually characteristics on my face have softened. Um but I just know that pretty much without fail every month at this time I can look in the mirror and I mean there's a a sense of gloom, really. I'll be honest, that that goes over me because I feel I feel feminine, and I I don't know. I mean, it, it obviously could have something to do with my hormone levels, and you know, my body insisting that it is a female uh, body. I think it says something about my character that I haven't given up. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't really growing a lot for a lot of, a lot of years. I was merely existing. And I, I mean, I can't change the past now, so my hope is that I'm going to turn into one of those people that crams a lot of life into every day. Hello. I'm walking home. It's really quiet. Just a, an easy walk to make, except when it's, you know, 10 degrees outside. I had to make this walk yesterday as well. I went out with a friend, and on my way back, I called my parents. And, like, the first thing out of their mouth is, You're walking alone in the dark? Is it safe? Or, you know, is it a well-lit area? And It was just that immediate protective parent act, and... The only thing going through my head is, like, I'm not necessarily going to get raped out here. I would more so get mugged and beaten because I I look like a guy and I walk like a guy. I think that they, you know, maybe they just think I'm out here with a purse or something. I'm just a a sitting target, you know. I think that I'm getting a little worked up with my parents. Um, They're weighing on my thoughts. But it's time. They need to know. There's not an alternative. There's no way to protect them. And I'm doing them a disservice by not telling them. I'm not giving them a choice right now. For the past few months, I have been living my life as male, everywhere with the exception of my work. Basically what that means is that all of my friends have been using male pronouns when referring to me and have been addressing me by another name. The name I have chosen is Miles. Miles. What really solidified Miles for me was when I looked up the meaning of it, and in Latin it means soldier. I can get super, super dorky here. If you do the alphanumeric calculation of your name, Megan and Miles is the same. And I even remember going to the bathroom and looking in the mirror, and I had on a blue shirt that day, and I think I look very nice in blue, personally. Cute and boyish. It's my favorite color. And I remember looking in the mirror and being like, and I said it, I even said it out loud. I was like, Miles, Miles could work. I think that that works for me. And so Chris and I went out to eat that night. And I was like, all right, I think I have a name. And then I told him and his response was, oh, I like that. That works. Sharon and Noreen and Chris, they've basically been my my family through this. What day is today, Chris? What's going on? Today is the day when Miles
5: goes out to his parents as
2: Trans Man. But it is happening today. It needs to. It needs to. Happen. I mean, if it, I'm gonna have this exact same feeling if I bump it back a week. Yeah, you are. So, I think this is
5: the weekend. Is uh, this weekend is as good as any.
2: I am delivering this information to you in the form of a letter for a couple of reasons. One, I never would have been able to say all of this to you in person without completely losing any and all composure. And two, I wanted to give you a safe space in which you could react however you need to react without worry of judgment as I realize this is not easy news to hear. Easy news for any parent to hear. I know you have most likely envisioned how my life would turn out, and I doubt this is anywhere close to what you had in mind. Frankly, it wasn't what I had in mind either. However, I know this is right for me. You would not be sitting here reading this letter if that were not the case. <sighs> how about, I'm really, it's really important to me that you and Daddy read this together. You're going to hear me say this again in the letter, but I really am okay. I'm doing well.
5: Honestly, you're overthinking it.
2: I know, she's going to fly through this. She's
5: going to fly through it because this is not the meat of the issue. She's going to see how long the letter is and she's going to be like, okay. This is really far less important.
2: Yeah,
5: I know. The thing that this should be doing, if anything, is... Stalling. Not, not stalling. (laughs) I'm saying not inciting panic.
2: Yeah, so, that's... Shut up. (laughs) Decent page breaks.
5: (sighs) It's beautifully... Paragraphed.
2: I wanted because I'm used to um whenever you just send it. it. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. <laughs> oh. Here goes.
5: I love you. Yeah. Do you need a hug?
0: Mm. I'm glad to have it done. Mm-hmm.
5: She'll do what she needs to do, and I think that...
2: She's, she's a mother. She She's gonna eat the burnt piece of toast. She's gonna look out
1: for me.
5: But that's what makes her feel good at the same time, Miles. Like, you can't deny that. Like, you know, you feel so guilty for that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, she wants to look out for you. It's, you know, part of what she lives for.
2: we just sit and wait? We can go somewhere? No, I think we can wait. I uh. going to call me back. I just checked um, my email because okay. I haven't heard from my mother. The email started with M. M? M. It said M. Oh. Dash. And she never does that. She always says, darling daughter, or Megan.
5: Right. That's good, right? That's gotta be It good. is good. That's
2: why I don't mm-hmm. want to read the rest.
5: You need to. Because <laughs> I'm going to drive <laughs> myself mad.
2: Can you read it aloud? I have to read it aloud. Right. It says, No matter what you do, it will not affect your relationship with us. Those are Daddy's exact words. He is, however, still digesting. I'm not as surprised as she might think, but I dread the further anguish you will endure. Health risks are a big concern. There are lots, um, in capitals, lots of questions. Bottom line, we will always love you. Do hope you already knew that. Love you, infinity. M, which is my... That's my mom's sign-off. I just got out of work, and I'm walking down so I can catch the bus to get to my group meeting tonight. I have my... Uh, a trans guy support group. It, it meets once a month. Um, we meet in a private room, and depending on the month, you know, it varies how many guys are there. I want to go this time because I want to talk to them about the kind of testosterone that I want to get because I have my my physical tomorrow, and I don't know. I just want to get some suggestions. I don't think that I'm going to change my mind. The worst that would happen after four months is my voice would lower, and I'd be a very husky lesbian with no boobs. I'm about three months away from surgery. Hello. Good morning. I'm about to do my shot. Right now, I'm getting the testosterone out. I'm going to do it in my left thigh today. My needle. All right. I'm pushing back, so now i got to shove the air in. I will need to have testosterone for the rest of my life. I wonder if my voice has changed a little, but I really don't know. It's March 24th, and this is my voice 20 days on testosterone. This is my voice... Twenty-two days on testosterone. Today is April first, and today is, is April voice. 9th. Twenty-eight days on, on testosterone. So five weeks. So that's today be 35, is so thirty-seven. April twenty-second, and this is my voice. Today is days on April twenty-third. Fifty days on testosterone. Seven. Today is the twenty-third. Today is May fifth. This is my voice. 62 days on testosterone. Today is May 11th, and this is my voice. 68 Uh, days on testosterone. Today is May 18th, and this is my voice. 75 days on testosterone. I have surgery in four days, so there's nothing that I can really do at this point to prepare anymore for surgery. Um... Right now, it's really just a matter of decreasing the stress. And if lifting weights makes me feel like I've done a little
6: more, which it does, then, you know, that's what I'm going to do.
3: five.
2: Six. I uh, just got to work, and I just kind of wanted to document this moment because this is the last time that I am going to be at work as Megan. Uh, This is my last official Megan day. This is the last day I'm going to be using the women's restroom. This is the last time that I will have my email say Megan Taylor. This is the last time I'll be sitting here on this curb with my bike and feel the sweat under my binder. You don't get the the breeze that goes under your shirt because it hits this stupid thick binder, and so you just get all sweaty in there. It's just a lot of lasts. There's a lot of lasts happening. Uh, imagine, imagine it's just. I mean, I know it's not all boob related, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of boob lasts. And I mean, once I get back and work is miles and all I need to do is get my name changed and get all my paperwork changed then pretty much my life is going to be miles I think that I've been split between these two identities since like August so that's nine months it's a long time
6: alright over and out My list before surgery. So it was 109 lines before we get to the grocery store shopping list. <laughs> All righty. Uh, we have vitamins, scar treatment, acidophilus, uh, button-down pajama top, uh, button-down shirts, uh, wet ones or baby wipes, bendable straws, large safety. The last
2: day with my boobs. <laughs> I don't look at them anymore. I just know that I hate them
6: clothes, I have button-down shirt, five of those, two khakis, two board shorts, loose pajama top, loose pajama bottoms, my blue ones.
2: I've had intermittent moments of doubt, seven, seven, uh, Binder. but it's not it's not uh, doubt and that I think that I'm doing something wrong. I think that it's just because it's such a big thing that it, I, it would
6: almost be weird to not have doubt on some level. Vitamins, AM, PM, bromelain, arctica. Medications. Uh, it's my normal lineup of antidepressants and uh, anti-anxieties.
2: I don't know. I think I think that I just don't pay a lot of attention to them these days because I have my routine. I get up in the morning. I put my binder on every single day that I do that. Though I, I think I can't wait for the day until I don't have to do this.
6: Camera, audio recorder and mic, testosterone needles, alcohol, cotton balls, DVDs, books. And then a list of Okay, well,
5: are we ready to go? I'm ready to go. Take the longest amount of time. Is your computer off? No.
2: Monitor off? Monitor's off. Computer's computer. off. Looks like it's off.
4: Let's go.
5: Apparently you woke up and you said, No visitors!
6: Yeah. I, don't, <laughs> went back to sleep. I don't remember any of that <laughs> So yeah I went into surgery at Around 9 Out by 11 and the doctor came out And talked to Sharon and Chris And He said that everything went great Basically Pain wise I still feel quite a bit of pain What oh. kind of pain does it feel like A tightness It feels yeah it feels like a, a tightness um, under the undersides, where the scars, obviously where the incision is. My scars, basically, they follow right along my pectoral line. Thinking of a woman's breast, if you lifted the breast up, the crease where the breast hits the rest of your body, that's more or less where the scar line is. As you develop your pectoral muscles, it just kind of looks more like a, a crease than a scar. Surgery so far has definitely been the the largest expense. Um, my surgery was fifty seven hundred dollars. Every dollar I spend, I think, is it worth it? Do I really need this, or should I put that into my surgery fund? I still have probably another thirty thousand dollars in surgeries. You know, I tried my hardest to be a girl because it was too hard to to not fit in. You know, I had long hair, and I, it just, oh, it, it's so weird. <laughs> you know, I, I just, it was like, who can look at me and say that this looks right in any way? I can, I can show up and be me, and I don't have to show up and be someone else. I mean, God, last year sucked. I just, I felt like I was, you know, carrying around this secret. My parents didn't know, and you want to just kind of, like, scream at them, like, I uh, you know I have this news you know something's changing and I look like a man but now they know they're really they're really trying and it's always a big to do when when I return to Texas for the holidays um just because I don't I don't see them all the time
3: we had we've had this tumultuous year of mm-hmm. all the emotions and and the as you said the the in the and the you know and then to finally get you here. And by this time, you know, you know, now we've been waiting and waiting and waiting to see you. And yeah. meet, meet, you know, yeah. say, oh, here's Miles. But anyway, and there you were. And it was just like, oh, shoulders are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The hug. Yeah,
6: that's, that's what But does. But
3: uh, you appear to me to be happy in your own skin.
6: Because I'm still here and I'm still alive. So mm-hmm. it's not like I died. But you said that you lost a daughter.
3: The the hardest thing was the loss. I you and it's you know, the, and the sad thing. I mean, here you are, flesh and blood, warm, wonderful, lovable, our child.
2: Do you still long, feel like that? Long, no, no, I don't
3: anymore. But I mean, initially, I felt like the the child that I knew was forever gone. The child that's in the picture on the icebox yeah. that I knew and grew up with was gone. Just pure
0: and simple, was gone.
3: I just felt like somebody had taken a cannonball and shot it right through my middle and that I was walking around living my life and going to work and doing everything and acting normal except that I had this huge hole. It was just there all the time. It was there when I got up in the morning. It was there when I went to bed at night. It was just there. But, but the other thing, and I, I know it's the maternal guilt thing. I don't know if Daddy has these same things, but I feel you have done like this heroic feat. You've accomplished this on your own. Without, I mean, even though you've always known that you have our total love and support, but that's all you had from us. We weren't actually holding your hand, Mm -hmm. and I still have the text messages I got when you got out of surgery. Oh really? Mm Hmm. Anyway, um, well, I I mean, we love you. Uh, Always have, always will. It's really nice to spend time with you.
6: Very nice to be Mm -hmm. here. You know, like when a movie comes to the conclusion and it, and it and it culminates with a someone like standing outside, and you know, and it's just kind of like that that sigh, that you know, that breath of just. Oh. I ran around with a without a shirt on for the first time, um, outside. We had the reprieve from the cold weather, and it got a little warmer, and it was drizzly, and I went to the park, shed my layers, and you know cool breeze on my chest and it was just it was absolutely amazing all right uh my name is miles and i am 29 years old so this is me signing off and this is my voice 260 days on testosterone
1: Becoming Miles, produced by Sarah P. Reynolds for Transom.org, with support from Jay Allison. Besides featuring great radio, Transom teaches people how to make their own stories. Find a link to their website on ours, thirdcoastfestival.org. ReSound is a production of the Third Coast International Audio Festival in Chicago. I'm Gwen Maxine. The program is produced by Katie Mingle and curated by Johanna Zorn and Julie Shapiro of the Third Coast Festival. You can hear today's program at thirdcoastfestival.org, where you can also hear hundreds of outstanding documentaries from around the world, and subscribe to our podcast. The Third Coast Festival is a nonprofit arts organization made possible with lead funding from the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation and the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation. Additional support is provided by the Boeing Company Charitable Trust, the Agadino Foundation, Chicago's Navy Pier, and American Airlines. This program is partially supported by a grant from the Illinois Arts Council, a state agency. Special thanks to our many individual contributors from Chicago and around the world. The Third Coast Festival was founded in 2000 by WBEZ Chicago. If you want to contact us, we would love to hear from you. Email us at resound at thirdcoastfestival.org. Resound returns next week with more radio that you can't hear anywhere else unless you live everywhere else.
0: you've been listening to the third coast podcast now that it's over here are a few suggestions become our fan on facebook write us a review on itunes buy a t-shirt in our merch shop or make a donation to support what we do at thirdcoastfestival.org thanks for listening